Thank you for that. Appreciate that. And certainly we're grateful for the, uh, the price that Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary so that we can be saved. And uh, I've been thinking about this a lot in the past, I don't know, a couple of weeks, I guess, that um, he made a promise that he would come again. And uh, I've been, it's just been on my heart and mind. And so I want you to turn, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And as we think about this, his promise that he would return and his coming again, we need to be ever aware uh, that certainly Jesus is coming. Sometimes in life, you can know stuff, but you may forget about it, or it may not be at the top of your list. For example... Uh, many times, I, and I'm sure that uh, this was not just the case in my house that growing up, when my parents would leave, they would say something like, now, I want this living room to be clean by the time I come home. Now, as kids, of course, you, you, know, you, know, what, you know what kids do. They jump on it right away and they start cleaning it up, right? No. That's not what any kid that I know of does. Now, maybe there's one out there that does that, but the majority of them are going to continue playing their video games or playing a game or doing whatever they do until they hear that car in the driveway. And then their heart sinks and they're like, oh no, mom said we were supposed to have the living room clean and now she's in the driveway. Quick, you do this, do that, and you scurry as fast as you can to get things done because you become occupied you lose track of time, and in the, in the truth of matter, the same thing is true with the Lord Jesus Christ. He has promised, and He has said, I will come again, and He is coming again. But in, throughout the course of life and throughout the course of our time, we tend to get occupied, and we lose track of time, and we lose track of our responsibility though Jesus certainly is coming. First Thessalonians chapter number 5 I want us to be reminded of this this morning, uh, that Jesus is coming again. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, the Bible says this in verse number 1, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, or with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness." Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your house around your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. I pray that you would touch each and every heart and each and every uh, person, Father, that is uh, able to hear this message. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And God, will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this passage, uh, you notice there in verse number one, he starts right off, he says, but 
of the times. Now, what's he talking about? We've kind of come in to the middle of the passage. Now, you say, wait a minute, we're at the beginning of a chapter. Remember this when you read through your Bible, that, that uh, the chapters and verse numbers were later, added later to the Scripture. When Paul didn't write this, he didn't write down chapter 1, verse 1, and then write down that, that, that verse. Uh, he wrote it as one big letter. Now, I love chapter and verse divisions because it helps us. I can tell you, turn to chapter number 5 and verse number 1, and you know exactly where I'm at. Instead of saying go to paragraph, uh, count down three paragraphs and go down four lines, and it depends on the size of the font and all that. So it's a good thing, but understand that sometimes uh, some of the chapter breaks and some of the verse breaks come, and they may break up a paragraph, they may break up a thought, they may break up something, and so sometimes you have to look back and see what it's talking about. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1, we come into a middle of a thought, and he says, or a continuing of a thought, and he says, But of the times and the seasons, brother, ye have no need that I write unto you. Now, what's he talking about? Well, Paul has just been writing about in the preceding chapter. Go back with me to chapter number 4 and verse number 13. And I love this passage. I've, uh, I read this passage frequently, and, and it's a wonderful passage. But look with me in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. The Bible says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. And so he's continuing again from before, but he's going to give them a teaching on... Uh, those who have already gone before us, those who have passed away, uh, those who are already uh, buried and, and they were believers. And he says this, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Those are the people who have passed away. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. And that's why I like this passage, because it's an encouraging passage to those of us who are born again. He goes down in verse number 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Now let me just quickly give this to you, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but uh, Paul is basically informing them. Perhaps the question was asked, hey, what about this believer who has passed away? Uh, what about them? Because Jesus said he's coming back, and, uh, and we're going to be caught up in the air. It's no doubt that Paul had spent some time instructing the church there uh, on, on what was going to happen in end time. And so uh, their question was, what about so-and-so who has passed away? And basically, Paul is telling them, listen, their body is here in the ground, no doubt, but their spirit is with the Lord. And he said, uh, when Christ does come back, uh, that their body is going to be resurrected. And he talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as well. And it would be good to cross-reference that and go back and, and look at that chapter as well. But he says basically their body will be resurrected and, and their spirit will come back with the Lord and they'll be reunited in the air. And, uh, and he said, then us who are alive and remain, the Bible says, shall be caught up in the air to, to, to be with them and to meet with the Lord. Now, I'm, that excites me. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I've always enjoyed flying. 
Okay, I just have. I've always been uh, interested in airplanes. My dad was in the Air Force, and I just always have enjoyed flying. But this is a kind of flying, brother. I mean, you're not going to get on an aircraft and take off. It's not going to be the slow acceleration down the runway and then the slow descent. I mean, uh, right now, our feet are going to be taken off the ground, and we're going to be flying uh, before you ever know what's, what hits you. Uh, and, and you won't have to worry about falling in this case because there's no coming back down. Uh, once we go up, man, we're, we're out of here. Praise the Lord for that. And it's an exciting time. So Paul is teaching about all of this, and he's saying, listen, the dead in Christ who have already passed, they've, their spirit has already gone on before, and their body and spirit will be reunited, and their body will be made uh, incorruptible, he says in 1 Corinthians 15. And he says, then us who are alive, we're going to be caught up with them. Look at what he says there. In verse number, I forgot where I left off. Let's go to verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, we will not precede them. That's an old English word that means to go before. In verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of, an arch, of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And he ends this little passage with these words in verse number 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now that's a comfort to me. That's a blessing to me to know, hey, one of these days the Lord's going to descend. Now, I want you to notice in this passage, just for, uh, for, for point of reference, it's important to note, Jesus does not come all the way to the earth in this passage. He's only in the clouds. He descends to the clouds, uh, and then the trumpet sounds, and us believers and those who are, are saved and they have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who are already buried in the cemetery, their body will be resurrected, then we are going to be caught up, and we're going to meet God in the air. Man, what a blessing to know that as saved people. So Paul is giving them instruction on that and the fact that hey uh, the the dead in Christ are going to rise first and then we go into chapter five and he says this but of the times and the seasons brethren ye have no need that I write unto you and I want you to realize and understand this that uh, we don't know when the Lord is going to come back. Matter of fact, there's a lot of teaching that Jesus gave on that. And and, uh, in Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 3, his disciples asked him this. uh, They said, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And if you look at that and think about that, they really asked three questions. And so God, Jesus sits down and he explains to his disciples and he teaches them a lot of that information and he does give them a lot of signs and he does give them a lot of things to think about and, and, and to uh, be able to see. But down there in verse number 36, he says this, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And I do want to say this. Nobody knows the time nor the hour. 
These guys who write a book that, hey, Jesus is coming back on, on September 20th of, of 1978 or uh, 2030 or, or whatever, and there are people who do that. The Bible clearly says, hey, the angels of heaven do not even know the time frame. Uh, and Paul was writing to the Thessalonians because they probably were asking, hey, what time is Jesus coming back? What, how can we know that? And he said, listen, I, I have no need to write unto you of those things because Jesus made it very clear that nobody knows when he's coming back. But we do know he is coming back. Because he did make a promise. Um, And maybe, this is just my thoughts, maybe if Jesus had said, I'm coming back in in February uh, 20th, I'm just making something up, of 2021, you know what you would do? You'd stay out of church until the 19th. Then you'd get it all straightened up. You'd clean up your living room at that point. And you'd say, okay, God, now I'm ready. You can come back on the 21st. That's probably why he left it all open-ended, because man would just do whatever they want to do. The same reason as parents, you don't tell your kids, hey, I'm coming home and I'm going to be home at 6 o'clock. And this room better be cleaned up. You just tell them, when I get home, this room better be cleaned up. Because that way, they've got to be watching and they've got to be waiting and they've got to be uh, saying, man, you know, we've got to keep this straight and we've got to make sure that we get this straightened up before mom comes home and this is really important. And, and listen, I don't know exactly why, but I do know this, that God did not give us a specific time that he is coming back, but he did make the promise that he is coming back. And listen, you can mark it down because God is not, as Pastor said in Sunday school this morning, God is not a man that He lies. And the promises that He makes, you can bank on them uh, and you can be assured that they're right. Matter of fact, in 2 Peter uh, chapter number 3, he starts out the chapter by saying, uh, where is the sign of His coming? For all things continue as they always were. And men were scoffing and saying this and that. And he goes on in verse number 9 and he says, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises as some men. But is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And maybe the Lord is not coming back yet because He's waiting for more people to be saved. More people to hear the gospel. And so there could be many reasons why the Lord does not come back. I don't pretend to know and understand all of the thoughts of God but I do know this, He has His timing, and He will come back when, he, when, when the Father says, hey, now's the time. And so we understand that. But I want you to notice this, the surety of His coming. It is sure, and He is coming. We can know that for sure. Not only that, but I want you to notice this as well, the suddenness of His coming. The suddenness of His coming. Look with me in verse number 2. He says this, uh, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. As a thief in the night. An unexpected coming. Now, just as the example of the parent, you know He is coming. Matter of fact, He uses an example here of a thief. He also uses a woman uh, in, 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 that would be expecting. Uh, now, you know woman you know that you're expecting and the closer you get to that date 
you know you're expecting. I mean, there's no way uh, it's very apparent to you. Uh, but listen, you don't know the day. You might, you might schedule it with a doctor and say, well, this day, but you really don't know. Because really, you could have that baby the day before that, day, that date they pick. I mean, you don't know when it's going to take place, but you know that baby is coming. And, G- and Paul here gives another example. He says, just as like a, a thief would come. Now, I lived in Peru, so I got thief stories for you. Uh, I, I got plenty of, of them. Matter of fact, I thought of several. And uh, one of them, I remembered that uh, there was a house in Peru and, and um, they had had a bunch of, of guests come in. And, uh, and they had gotten in. I, I'm assuming they got in late at night or I don't know. Maybe they were gone all day. But, uh, but man, they, uh, they all bedded down. And, and as, as would be common, if you have guests and you have more places or more people than you have places to stay, you might, man, some might be crashed on the couch in this room and you got every place taken up. And that's what happened in this house. There was people all over. They were staying in the living room and staying here and staying there. And, and, uh, and they were just staying uh, as guests and and what happened was, uh, I'm assuming around 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning, somebody broke into the house. And, uh, and because there were so many people in the house, it actually was a lot easier. Because everyone, is, if you see somebody get up and walk around at 3 o'clock in the morning, you assume, well, it's so-and-so is going to the bathroom, or go, they're hungry, or they're thirsty, or something else. And, uh, and so they actually snuck in, they stole the... They stole the stereo. They stole several other electronics. And then they left. And nobody knew. I mean, uh, in the morning when they got up, the missionaries started realizing, wait a minute, my TV's gone and my stereo's gone and several electrical stuff are gone. And, and he thought the group was playing a joke on him. And he said, okay, guys, that's funny. Where'd you put my stuff? And they found out, well, they, they, didn't, they didn't take it. Somebody had snuck in in the night stole the stuff and, and taken it out of the house. And, and what I'm saying is, you never know when somebody's going to come and break into your house. Um, you don't expect it. If they had expected, as Paul said, if they knew he was the, the thieves were coming in that night, they would have uh, stayed awake and watched for them and said, hey, you know what, We need to. Uh, there's thieves coming tonight, I know for sure. I saw it written down on their calendar, and, uh, and tonight they're hitting our house. They wouldn't have been able to hit the house. Nobody knows. You never know when somebody is going to steal something. And, and so the idea there is that Paul is saying, look at even though you may be aware that uh, thieves are coming, even though you may be aware and you may lock the door and you may take all the precautions that you normally would, the fact of the matter is it catches most people off guard. And he's saying this, that the coming of the Lord is going to be sudden in that it will take people off of God. And they will not be expecting and they will not understand or realize uh, because it will be so quick and so sudden. Another example in Luke chapter number 17 and verse number 24, uh, Jesus was teaching and said this, For as the lightning that lighteneth, out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. You might be able to determine, well, a storm's a brewing. 
You might be able to, to see the darkened clouds rolling in. You might be able to hear the rain start to come in and coming down. And, and you might think, boy, I think this sounds like an electrical storm. And I'm pretty sure we're going to have lightning and, and things like that. And, and you may even go and watch at the window and say, man, I'm gonna, I want to watch this and, and see the lightning. Uh, you might even get your camera out. But the chances of you actually catching on fire, the lightning, or on, on camera, the, the lightning is slim to none. I looked up just for fun. I was curious. I, I, you've all seen the, the picture of the lightning strike. I'm thinking to myself, how do you take a picture of a lightning strike? Uh, maybe you, you, it scares you and you jump and snap the picture. I don't know. Uh, but uh, but I, I looked it up. I thought, well, I'm curious how they do that. And they have special cameras and they leave the shutter open. And it's, it's not, it doesn't happen by accident. They didn't snap the picture at the right time. They use a lot of uh, advanced photography techniques to be able to do something like that uh, because there's no way that you could just uh, catch that on film. Why? Because it's sudden. It happens so fast that you can't even imagine it. Listen, the coming of the Lord is going to be sudden. And though we recognize the signs, though you might see the darkened clouds roll in, though you might see the raindrops, uh, listen, we need to be expecting the coming of the Lord because it is sudden. And it could be any day. Listen, there's nothing to hinder the Lord coming back. There's nothing to hinder the Lord coming back before they ever even start the Super Bowl tonight. Lord could come back, and, and, and we'll be out of here. Praise the Lord. I don't care who wins at that point. Man, I'll be in heaven. Uh, maybe we'll play football in heaven. I don't know, but, uh, I, but I, I'm just saying it's sudden, and it could happen immediately, and he describes it in 1 Corinthians as in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, uh, something that happens very suddenly. So we have the surety of the coming of Jesus. We have the suddenness of the coming of Jesus. But I want us to focus because those are things that we need to know and we need to understand. But I want us to see here the last thing that we notice, and, and I'll spend a little more time on this. It's sentinel of Jesus coming. The sentinel of Jesus coming. Sentinel simply means a guard or somebody who is watching. It's a soldier that is generally watching and guarding for the coming of Jesus. Look with me in our passage of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 4. He says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. In other words, he's writing to saved people, and I want you to understand this, He's writing to people who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And he's saying, listen, uh, that day will not overtake you as a thief. You've already made your preparation because you've trusted Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. And listen, if he comes before the end of this service, hey, you know we're going to be taken out of here. Because we're saved. So he assures them, hey, you're not children of night, but you're children of light. You're children of the daytime. You're children of the light of Jesus Christ. And he goes on in verse number uh, 5. He says, ye are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not night nor of darkness. He says in verse number 6, therefore, let us not sleep as do others but let us watch and be sober. And 
sentinel of Jesus Christ coming, number one, must be awake. Must be awake. In other words, uh, you remember when Jesus went in the the, um, Garden of Gethsemane. And He told His disciples, He said, hey, watch and pray with Me. And, And Jesus, then He goes off and He prays. And as he's praying, uh, it is just for he's to be crucified and, and to, to, to die on the cross of Calvary. And, and so he's deep in prayer. And, and then he comes back and he finds the disciples and they're asleep. He wakes them up and he says, Hey, watch with me. Could you not watch for one hour and, and, and pray with me? And, 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 he, and he leaves them again. He says, Watch and pray. And then he goes off and he prays. And he comes back and he finds the disciples again asleep. And he says, hey, wakes them up and says, hey, could you not watch with me for one hour as I pray? And then he goes off again and he goes off and he prays the third time. And then he comes back and again he finds the disciples asleep. And he says, hey, take your rest uh, for the time is drawn nigh. And, and, and basically he's saying, listen, uh, you know, and he goes on and he says, hey, the flesh is will, or the The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I'm not talking about physical sleep when we say this. We're talking about spiritually, hey, we need to be awake and be alert to the fact that Jesus Christ is coming. Matter of fact, teaching on it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, says this, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. In other words, he's saying, listen, we need to be awake spiritually, and we need to be aware of what's going on in our own life and live a good testimony. Why? Because the world is watching us. And that's why he says, he says, awake to righteousness. That would be that you live a clean life, that you live a Christian life, that you walk with God, that you, that you have a good testimony. Why? He goes on and he says, uh, and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. And that our testimony would be visible to the lost and dying world, and they would say, hey, you know what, listen, that guy's a righteous That guy, he goes to church every Sunday. That guy, he doesn't cuss and carry on like the rest of us do. That guy doesn't do all the same things that we do. His life is different. I wonder what's different. Hey, may they know and see that Jesus Christ has made a difference in our life. He says, awake to righteousness. I was looking up and I was just curious about uh, uh, the... This story I came across, it's, it's actually entitled The Sleeping Sentinel. There you go, isn't that interesting? And in the 1860s, uh, Private William Scott had just joined the Union Army of the Civil War. It was July of 1861, and, and in August of the same year, he was on guard duty and fell asleep between the hours of 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock a.m. Now, if you've ever stayed up all night you know that those are the hours, I mean, they, they are, it's just prior to sunrise. Three, four o'clock, uh, it's stretching slightly into five, are the longest, hardest hours to stay awake, if you've had to stay awake all night. And that was the time that he fell asleep. 
Well, they found him sleeping on his job. Now, he's a soldier, and he's guarding the post. And so, uh, as soon as they found him asleep, they arrested him immediately. And he was sentenced to death. And you think, man, that's harsh. Well, when you're guarding a camp, and all of your, uh, all of your fellow soldiers are sleeping, they're depending on you to see the enemy to save their life. And so, he was sentenced to death. Listen, as we apply that to our Christianity, we need to be wide awake because the world needs our testimony to tell them about Jesus Christ and to testify them. Listen, their spiritual life is depending on our testimony. And we need to be awake spiritually. A sentinel needs to be awake. Not only do they need to be awake But look with me at verse number 6 again. He says, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. And he goes on and he says, Let us watch. Now, as a guardsman, be awake, but if you ain't watching, it ain't helping any. You can be awake and you can be reading the newspaper and not paying attention to what's going on out there. And listen, uh, he says here in this passage, not only are we to be awake, but we are to be aware of what's going on. And listen, sometimes uh, we get so busy with this life that we really take our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get, uh, just like Martha, I, I told my wife this week, sometimes I feel like Martha, and when Jesus came and, and Mary and his house there and and Mary was Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet while Jesus was teaching and Martha was busy. She was in the kitchen and and she was uh, clearing off the table and setting the table and she was fixing the dinner. She was cleaning up and making everything presentable and and she kind of got upset and she came to Jesus and she said, "Hey, what, uh, what? Why isn't Mary in here?" And Jesus said, "Martha, Martha." He said, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Listen, in our life, it's easy to get careful and troubled about with the things of this world and the things that keep us busy and all the things that are going on in this world and we lose sight of all the things up there that are important. We need to be watching, spiritually speaking. Listen, we need to be aware spiritually speaking. Not only do we need to be awake, a sentinel must be awake, a sentinel must be aware, uh, but I want you to notice as well, he goes on there in verse number 6, and he says, and be sober. We need to be alert, which is a little bit different than being aware. We need to live our lives as though Jesus is coming back. We need to be on alert. Listen, sometimes we go about our life and we live it as though... We have the rest of our life here on this earth. And, and we should. I'm not saying that you don't... You, you should make plans for the future. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But we should be very aware. Hey, Jesus might come back tomorrow. And we don't have to worry about it. pastor says that all the time. He says, we'll meet and we'll discuss things in the future. And we're going over our calendar and this and that. And we'll plan for this and plan for that. And, and he says, you know what? If the Lord comes back, we don't even have to worry about it. That's true. I mean, plan for your week, yeah, but you know what? If the Lord comes back, praise the Lord, you don't have to worry about the bill that's due, amen? You don't have to worry about 
uh, this or that. You can, you can say, hey, the Lord is coming back, and He says, be sober. In other words, be in your right mind. Could you imagine uh, if, uh, if somebody was uh, on guard duty and they were drunken? I could imagine they'd get the same punishment as somebody who's sleeping on the job because you're not in your right mind. You're not aware of what's going on. And, and be careful that we are alert about what is going on spiritually. He goes on in verse number 8, and he says this in verse number 8, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And I put down, not only are we to be alert, we're also to be arrayed, in other words, dressed in faith. Did you know faith and fear do not go together? You can be fearful... Or you can be full of faith. But it, it's difficult to have both. It's kind of like light and darkness. You can trust in God or you can be fearful. And, and, and we need to be careful uh, that, that, hey, we do trust in God. Now listen, you can fall, my, my dad has always taught me you can fall off the bridge on the right-hand side and on the left-hand side. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's both sides. You can go off the bridge. And so we do need to be balanced. But listen, we need to have faith. And he says here, be dressed or be arrayed in, uh, with the breastplate of faith. Faith to attend church. Faith to live for God. Faith to trust in God's supply. Faith to pray to God. Faith to witness to others. Faith to say, hey, I know He is coming back. And I know He is in control. We need to have faith in our life. Not only faith, but love. He says the breastplate of faith and love. Listen, we ought to have a love for God, a love for the Word of God. Read your Bible through. I encourage you every January we uh, put those out and uh, the reading schedules, and we encourage you to take one. Man, read the Word of God, but don't just read the Word of God. Love the Word of God. That you say, man, I want to read that, and I want to grow from that, and I want to learn from that. Love the Word of God. Love the brethren as given in the New Testament. Hey, that we're to love one another uh, because we are saved brethren, and love the church, and love uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to have that in our life. We need to be arrayed with those things. He goes on in verses 9 and 10, and he says uh, there in verse number 9, For God hath us to wrath who obtained salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we live together with Him. And he reminds them that they're saved and they're born again. And, and listen, we ought to be actively witnessing to other people. Listen, Jesus Christ said before He left this earth, the last command that Jesus gave was to testify and witness to the world. We have a responsibility to be warning others, hey, that Jesus is coming back. You need to get saved, and they need to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and be born again. Then lastly, look at verse number 11. He says this, he ends this passage, and he says that almost the same thing he says in, in chapter 4 and verse 18. He says, wherefore, comfort yourselves together. And edify one another, even as also ye do. 
And I put down there, be assembled. Be assembled. Why? Because he says, be together and comfort one another. You know there's comfort in, in being with other people. There's a, you know what, when people get uh, depressed and, and down and discouraged, you know what usually they want to do? They want to get away from everyone else. They want to get by themselves. And they say one of the best therapies and best things that you can do for somebody is to spend time with that person and encourage them and help lift their spirits. And listen, when we come together, man, you can brighten one another's day and you can encourage one another just by your, uh, your presence of being there. And, and that's one of the things that just drives me crazy about the hospitals and not being able to visit these people who are sick and who are in the hospital because, man, I think that's helpful to them. Be assembled. I started out by telling you the sleeping sentinel, Private Scott. I'd like to finish that story. You know, Private Scott, he was not lazy. Rather, to the contrary. We're talking about the guy that was caught sleeping on the job, was arrested, and was sentenced to death. Did you know that uh, when, when he uh, took that shift, do you know what happened? He had worked the night before, guarding the entire night. And he was not supposed to be on guard that night, but what happened was another soldier was sick, and he volunteered to fill that post for another soldier. And he fell asleep that night, and they did, they came and arrested him. And they did, they sentenced him to death. But the good news is he didn't die, not that night. Not, that, not from that. President Abraham Lincoln heard word of this soldier who had been sentenced to death for falling asleep on the job. President Abraham Lincoln went 10 miles out of his way by horse and carriage, mind you, uh, to, to, to visit this soldier and specifically to pardon and make sure that the commanding officer got word that this, this soldier, this private, uh, William Scott, uh, was to be pardoned. And sure enough, he did receive a pardon. And I said he didn't die from that. He certainly didn't. He's alive today, not on this earth, obviously. What happened to him? Well, Private Scotts went on the following year and was in a battle that took place in Lee's Mill, Virginia. And it was a, it was a rather a rough battle. 192 men went to war that day and only 100 of them returned. So it was a very difficult battle that he went to. And as he went... Uh, I read that Private Scott fell mortally wounded while struggling up a bank with a wounded soldier on his shoulders. And he is reported to have saved several men from drowning the, in the muddy waters of that river. Knowing that he was dying the next morning of his bullet wounds he sustained, he called some of his closest comrades to his hospital. There he relayed a message to his family and friends at home. He also made an earnest plea that if it was at all possible that President Lincoln be told of the circumstances of his death, he asked that his gratitude be expressed for the pardon which made it possible for him to die in battle as a soldier and not at the hands of a firing squad. <laughs> Amazing story, really it is. And I thought to myself, boy, we need jolted awake. Not sentenced, not condemned because we've fallen asleep on the job, but we need to get back into the fight. We need to 
be about our business of saving other soldiers. He was climbing out of the river, though he'd been shot and wounded. He grabbed other people and carried them out of the river where they were going to drown to death. And he was credited with saving several soldiers. What an incredible story. And I think, oh, we need to make sure that we're not sleeping sentinels. He says here, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the gospel. And I speak this to your shame. Boy, there's lots of people that need to be born again, that need to be saved. We need to be about the Father's business. Oh, we might get distracted. We might get our eyes off focus. We might be distracted by a global or elections or the Super Bowl or any other thing. But man, we need to make sure that our focus is on Jesus Christ. And the fact of the matter is, He is coming back. And we need to be about the Father's business. We need to be awake. We need to be alert. We need to be aware. We need to be uh, arrayed with the, uh, the breastplate of faith and of love. And, and we need to be uh, uh, actively witnessing. And we need to be doing all of these things. Because He's coming back. And it could be soon. It could be this week. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. We don't know. But he is coming back with every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Are we living our life as though he's not coming back? Have we forgotten? Have we be, become distracted? Or lost sight or lost vision of what our mission is? The good news is, God still wants us to get back in the fight. That's why He pardoned us. That's why He saved us. God, I pray that You'd speak to hearts as only You can. God, I pray that You'd help us to be witnesses. Help us to see people as souls. Be concerned, Father, for where they'll spend eternity. Oh God, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to forget. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to be focused on you and to be doing your work. We'll thank you for it. God, if there's one here that does not know you as their own personal Savior, God, I pray they'd put their faith and trust in you today. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. He's coming back. There's a surety of it. There's a suddenness of it. We need to be the sentinel that's watching, waiting, praying, witnessing. your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world, 
will start to grow strangely dim if you'll focus your eyes on Him.